This is George LaRock from WorkTech, and you're listening to another HR Market Watch. Welcome back for another HR Market Watch. I really appreciate your being here and choosing to spend some of your valuable time with me. I'm truly grateful for that. Let's jump right in, though, into this episode. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, We're talking today about the independent workforce, what used to be known as the contingent workforce. Now, that's not to be confused with the gig economy or gig workers. I know a lot of buzz phrases, as usual. But what's the difference? Well, gig work is transactional work. If you think about Uber or Deliveroo, you're paying for a discrete service via a marketplace. They're giving you a ride or delivering something to your doorstep. They're paid via the marketplace for that transaction. The independent workforce, these are freelancers, contractors, temporary workers, or solopreneurs that are independent. They're paid on a 1099 and maybe engaged with your business for any period of time on a project basis or even over an extended period of time. The workforce is increasingly made up of these independent workers and it's another trend that has been accelerated through COVID and 2020 being the interesting, to put it mildly, the interesting year that it has been because of the pandemic. Now, when I say acceleration, that's a term that analysts and air quotes thought leaders like to throw around a lot. And it really just means that there was an existing trend and in our world existing technology trend that was supporting the work trend that we're looking at. And there was a great impact from an adoption or growth perspective on the trend based on the impact of COVID and the economic uh, impact that it had. And in many cases, this acceleration um, or the change as a result of the acceleration will continue post-COVID. And we're just figuring that out, what will stick and what won't. So we hear a lot about remote work. That was the initial and the biggest example of a drastic change and a trend that was on its way and happening, uh, distributed work, remote work, but got greatly accelerated through COVID. And the same thing has been happening when it comes to the independent workforce. So let's put some numbers behind that. The 2020 State of Independence Report from MBO Partners is out. And MBO Partners, if you don't know them, check them out. Uh, They've been studying this segment of the workforce for 10 years or more. And they've got a lot of historical data and their numbers really hold up greatly. A lot of perspective there. Uh, Right now, what they report is that 38.2 million adult Americans are working independently. That's worth about $1.2 trillion or about 5.7% of the US GDP using the GDP numbers from 2019. That's a lot. That's a big number. It's a big part of the U.S. economy. And it's also a trend that is increasing globally, although I don't have numbers um, there. So in 2020, about 48% of U.S. adults claimed that they are working or have worked independently. And they project, MBO Partners projects, that by 2025, 54% will that number will be up 54%. Now, that's a milestone for us because back in 2013, when I started covering and talking about this segment of the workforce, the projections were that we thought we'd get to 50% around 2020. And well, we're pretty much at that number. 
And anecdotally, as I'm working with employers, I'm certainly seeing workforces that are at about 50% in a variety of industries, healthcare, technology, um, and a lot of workforces in industries that you might not expect, like the tech and healthcare are two industries that come up first. But what I'm seeing are companies that don't really know how much of their workforce is independent because a lot of this happens off the radar. A lot of the tracking in HR or finance and you know is not seen uh, based on what's happening in the organization. And put a pin on in that because in today's interview, we're going to dig in on that a little bit. Now, some other metrics though that are really quickly you should know before we get into the interview. And these metrics jumped out at me. And I, again, strongly suggest you look at that MBO partners report, but all generations are participating. We, a lot of buzz in the market talks about, oh, these millennials and how, you know, they'd rather be independent or work as a contractor. Well, if you look at the historical data, um, demographically speaking, in 2011, um, it was Gen X uh, represented about half of the individuals working independently. Right behind them were baby boomers, about a third of, of the independent workforce. But today, millennials make up about a third. 25% are Gen X, 26% are boomers, and 16% are Gen Z, which would make sense given that they're newer to the workforce. So it's much more balanced. It's it's not a generational thing. It's It's something that people are choosing, and that is... Where the other metrics that are really interesting, 56% of the folks that are working independently say they feel more secure. And that's a big shift where a full-time job isn't what's making people feel secure or these people feel secure. You know, having control independently is what's making them feel more control. And they're choosing this work. So 67% are independent by choice. And in fact, those that say, they're working independently because of, because of factors beyond their control is down to 7%. So that's really interesting to me. They're choosing it. They're feeling more secure. And I think this is a trend that is having a lot of impact that's going to cause ripples as we move post-pandemic because the other thing we just historically haven't done well with regard to the independent workforce is accommodate for it or in HR or in HR technology. We've really compartmentalized the two workforces. So in large employers, it's classically managed by procurement and in the middle market and smaller employers, it can just be completely off the radar. I mean, managers hire contractors or independent help without any input of HR finance. And in some companies, it's viewed as a staffing function while uh, it's, you know, and is really managed from an HR technology perspective. It's just a pay class or, you know, if it's in the HRIS and we're paying them appropriately as a uh, temp W-2 or a 1099 and they're coming through procurement and getting paid over there, then, you know, that was sort of the start and the end of it. But there are really big implications when you're looking at a team that's 50% contingent or independent. You can't compartmentalize the hiring of these people anymore because in today's world, we're more agile. We're making more game day decisions about whether we should go with a contractor or a solopreneur or make a full-time hire. And we're hedging our bets. We always do when we come out of a go into more of a hiring boom coming out of a slower economy, start with a contractor, try to convert to full-time. So that visibility can't be compartmentalized from a hiring perspective. And then how do you manage and engage your culture or incentivize your 
employees, motivate your employees when they're not really working directly for the organization. I, I don't have that kind of lever to pull. Um, it's, it's a big challenge. And, and this is not just a big company thing. In 2019, Paycheck saw that the uh, growth uh, of the use of contractors in the SMB was growing 11% year over year. So this is not, you know, just from one market segment or one industry. This is across the board. And because of that, that was a lot to throw at you, but because of that, I'm so excited to have our next guest on the podcast. He's got a ton of insight into this trend, helping companies uh, find, hire, and then manage uh, and be compliant while they're doing it, um, the, this independent workforce. Our interview today is with Shahar Arez, the CEO of Stoke Talent. Shahar Arez is the CEO of Stoke Talent. Stoke is an on-demand talent platform focused on the hybrid workforce. Now, Shahar has been in tech in a variety of leadership roles for more than 20 years, and he founded Stoke in 2019. Welcome, Shahar. Hey, George. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm so glad to have you uh, here to talk about this topic of the uh, emerging contingent workforce, hybrid workforce, and as part of your intro here, your journey that we talked about before starting Stoke is really interesting to me. And I'd love it if you could tell everyone a little bit about your background, uh, the product, as well as how you came to start Stoke. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been in the industry for uh, about 20 years now. Um, started, uh, came out of computer science school um, in the early 2000s, right into the, the previous, previous bubble burst, um, worked for a bunch of startup companies, um, you know, engineering roles, uh, took over uh, a bunch of product roles in a company called Mercury Interactive, which later got acquired into HP, um, after which I moved to California, um, a, a bunch of roles in VMware, product, business development, marketing roles, uh, led a couple of investment rounds in tech companies in the DevOps space, um, and came back to Israel in 2013. Um, again, product engineering, marketing roles that I took right. over. Um, in between, I actually co-founded a company. And uh, because we didn't raise funds, we bootstrapped the company. We ended up using a lot of freelancers. Uh, this is 2012, 2013. Yeah. And um, because we couldn't raise funds, we didn't have employees. We started using freelancers. Back then, Odesk was uh, kind of a dominant platform. And we started working with remote freelancers. And after we came through the initial complexities of figuring out how to work with freelancers, we found it uh, tremendously beneficial um, to operating that model. I, we had within, I think it was like three, four months, we had like 18 people working for us, wow. all the way from New York, New Rochester to uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan, India. People that came in for, you know, a one, two day project that we needed, you know, specific uh, component or HTML or whatever, and designers that worked with us for, you know, seven or eight months. And the amazing thing for me, again, after um, over a decade in managerial roles in tech companies, was the fact that you can make a decision and within 48 hours, someone starts executing. Yeah. Um, I was used in organization, you need to get something, you need to put out, you know, why do you need to hire more people, go and get budget approval, headcount approval, go start interviewing. It's like, if you need something, you better plan six months in ahead. Right. And the ability to make a decision and get something going within 48 hours was, was like a superpower. And, you know, a lot of times when I talk to individuals about the model, they're like, how do you know you get the right person? 
So uh, I'll be frank. A lot of times you don't know you're getting the right person. But 70% of something within 48 hours is a lot better of, uh, compared to 100% of nothing within 48 hours. And so that kind of changed my how I approached projects generally. And in my next company, I, I then joined a company called Kenshu, uh, ran products growth for the company, and I tried to adopt them all um, of using flexible workforce, bringing in freelancers. And I just couldn't. I couldn't make it work. I couldn't make it work because within corporates, working with flexible workforce, freelancers, contractors, consultants, you know, name it, whatever you want. Just don't call it contingent workforce. We can talk about it in a minute. Okay. Uh, and I couldn't make it work because the company wasn't structured for it. No company was structured for it. It's like, where do I find the talent? How do I onboard them? How do I make sure they sign the right legal document? I had multiple freelancers that didn't get paid for three, four months because, you know, the system couldn't figure out who's getting the invoices, who's processing those, uh, keeping track, budget versus actual. I had contractors working for the company that never signed a contract. Wow. And so it's, you know, I, I just noticed there's no way to scale that type of operation. Getting someone on the ground, a team lead in engineering or in marketing or CS, working with freelancers in corporate is just a disaster. There's one or two ways to go about it. A, ignore bureaucracy, do whatever you want, take the risk and, you know, leave with the consequence or go through the re regular channels and it's going to take you three to five months until you get a freelancer working for you. And so this is where um, my partner and I kind of said, let's build an enterprise version that's built for corporates to deal with this growing number of uh, uh, freelancers. You know, I started researching the market and we saw that, uh, you know, there's more and more freelancers. Um, so that kind of led to that. I, I will leave it with one um, analogy, if you will, for individuals that, um, you know, to relate to what we're trying to do. If you think about the, the world of travel, when George, when you book your personal trip with family, what you're using Kayak or Priceline or Expedia or Orbit, yep. one of those OTAs. Uh, but if you're booking it through corporate, using a completely different system, because these applications are very much B2C and companies, corporates need different platforms. And that's why we're seeing the rise of uh, trip actions and, and other platforms that were designated for corporates. And that's what we're doing with Stoke. Okay. Okay. And, you know, uh, you mentioned a few things there. Uh, I, I want to, <laughs> you, you talked about uh, not using the contingent workforce term and uh, you know, I, um, uh, you know, I always try to use the vernacular that, you know, the market uh, has, uh, understands, but I've I've been saying uh, the independent workforce more, you know, increasingly. So I'm not going to debate you on the contingent workforce, but I am really curious to get your perspective and on what you're calling it based on your experience in the market or your perspective. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting um, topic because we've been debating how to, how to approach yeah. what's the right term to call this thing. It's like I started calling it the on-demand workforce. Uh, Deloitte calls it alternative workforce. Uh, we're using flexible workforce or agile workforce, we're using freelancers, consultants, contractors, gig workers. I mean, there's just this, this variety out there. Um, I really like the agile workforce because I think that's the, the dominant. Um, I'd say out of all the things that this revolution is bringing in, I think agility is the key. It's the ability, as I mentioned earlier, to make a decision, I need something. It might be an expert in a, in a space or I just need someone to do work for me. 
and I can simply go and get it going. It might be a, a day's relationship, a week's relationship, or three months, or you know, right. or two-year relationship. Right. But it's all on based on what do I need to execute? What's driving results for the business? And that's why I really um, and I realize, you know, large organization called contingent workforce. If you just think about what contingent means. It's like it's someone that's dependent or can or uh, conditioned by something. It really uh, brings, if you will, the value of this workforce down by using that term. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, the the only uh, any of those terms will do. The only distinction I would make would be the gig workforce. I mean, to me, that's very um, specifically. Uh, the kind of like in, like Uber and you know different uh, the delivery services, Deliveroo's and so forth, where um, it's it, it it doesn't really cover in my mind in my mind it, that that distinctly talks about that and not the freelancer contractor, you know the kind of um, uh, work that we're talking about. But you know tomatoes tomatoes, uh, we understand what we're what we're talking about. So. Uh, I appreciate your your perspective there, and, and words do matter. Um, and so I'll, I'll join you on on trying to shift my speak away from contingent. Um, you, you can you've converted me. So tell me what you're seeing in the market. Is you know a lot of stats have been floated around. I've been uh, in the market, you know, watching the 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 excuse me independent workforce grow uh, <laughs> over decades. Right, I, I came out of staffing in the late. 80s and the firm that I was with it was a large regional firm in the Boston area and in 89 we had just started this um, this contracting group and it started and it was this fledgling group and within a year it became the cash cow of the business because corporations at that time largely in tech were hiring droves just huge numbers of contractors and the, uh, the market, the staffing market has really been, uh, all of the growth in the staffing market has really come through this contract, labor, temporary staffing, you know, that, that all of that, the type of work that you're talking about. So fast forward to where you started seeing this in 2013, that's when I started, you know, covering it, writing about it as, as an analyst. And the numbers that the, the big number that is always thrown around is that 50% of the U.S. workforce will be freelance uh, workers, contract workers, et cetera. Um, and every survey that I've ever seen, um, Oxford Economics did one, 80% uh, of executives said they're increasingly using um, this type of workforce. Uh, paychecks, the, uh, you know, $4 billion payroll company, they, they, their customer base is made up of small businesses. And during the pandemic, they, they talked to, they surveyed thousands of their customers and it was surprising how many of them had been using this type of workforce for years. So there's no doubt about the, the, the continued rise. Is, is it still rising? Do you, do you see this continued trend and do you think we really know what percentage of the workforce is is independent or agile? Yeah. Um, so first of all, yes, it is still rising. Um, and again, it depends which survey or research you want to read. Uh, they all point to the fact it's growing, whether it's uh, growing 25% or 35%, depends which paper you want to believe, but they're all pointing to the fact it is growing. 
Um, over the last two decades, the number of uh, 1099s as counted by the IRS has been growing three times faster compared to the equivalent W-2s. Okay, and so that's there, are, that. there, there are a lot more freelancers out there. There's, you know, if this was a, a visual, I would give you the visual. Uh, and, and again, the, the data is out there from uh, by the IRS. Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, your point, I think it was 2018 when they pushed out a research that said 60% of workforce will be freelancing uh, in some capacity by 2030. And so I don't know if we're going to land at 45, 50, or 60%. doesn't matter. It's a huge number. Right. And this is US, right? Uh, and we're seeing the same trend, not exactly the same number, but same trend we see across the EU, um, Netherlands, Spain, Italy, UK are, are talking about very similar trajectories. Um, I don't have that much information about Asia, but Asia is already in big numbers of uh, freelancing in, in, in different capacities. Um, and so, yeah, so the trend has, um, was there, COVID has accelerated it now. Uh, and if you read reports by Gardner, McKinsey, Deloitte, CNBC, Harvard, um, it's pretty evident that COVID has accelerated the transition that we're expecting for a lot of different reasons. Uh, people were working from home, people uh, were let go, uh, people understood that no longer there's this term job security anymore. Three significant economic crises in two decades has led people to understand, um, you know, sticking around with the same employer for a decade doesn't really serve you well in the long run. Yeah. And so people want to assume control over their own destiny. And so uh, more and more, uh, we're seeing more and more freelancers. Now, I will comment to your point around, you know, you've been covering continued workforce uh, for a while. Um, I think there's, there, there's, there's really been a significant mindset shift in the last um, two decades, I would say, give okay. or take. Um, if you go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, um, contractors, freelancers were really kind of contingent workforce, if you will. These were the people that were considered uh, individuals that couldn't get a steady job. And I think the most significant change that we're seeing right now um, is that people that are freelancing, solopreneuring, or, or whatever, a lot of them are people that are choosing a different uh, um, social contract, if you will. Yeah. They want to assume more control about their future. They want to have the flexibility. They want to study while working. They will work with one more than a single employer. They want to pursue their passions. And, and so we're at a point where this scale between the employers or the corporates working with uh, contingent, I'll use the term employers, though they're not really employees, but employers and freelancers, um, it's really gotten into more of a balance. It used to be, I'll work for whoever takes me. And now the freelancer is saying, I'll work for whoever I enjoy working for and as much as I want to work. And so we're in some sort of an equilibrium, if you will, between what corporates want and what freelancers have to offer. Um, and there's more and more freelancers, contractors out there that want to choose their own path and destiny. And um, with the skill gap growing around the world, more freelancers are becoming um, a hot commodity, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I think the um, there's been so much uh, change in the um, in work itself, uh, in in how people work, and in, in what they 
expect from their work to your point, um, some of the points that you've made, the, uh, the economy is driven by, it's more of a service economy uh, globally, but the, the, yeah. that, you know, that's, that's been coming on for since the fifties, the, the, the economy has been shifting from producing goods to more of a knowledge worker service-based yeah. economy. And that, and, and then the technical transformation supports the ability to be a solopreneur, a freelancer, uh, a, a consultant, independent consultant, and work from anywhere and also compete with shops that are bigger, uh, even globally uh, for, for business. So, uh, yeah. so I, I, you know, I, I see that. I also see that there are really good business drivers that are creating opportunities for those solopreneurs on the um, on the employer side. So what what are some of those? What are the um, what what what's clearly you mentioned COVID and whenever there's you know COVID while it's a health crisis also created an economic crisis and whenever there's a dern, a downturn the uh, em employers always lean into they hedge they hedge their bets from a hiring perspective. So it's common in the if you go, go back to my staffing days, there's a, yep. a recession and then the first wave back are contractors. Uh, some go end up going full time, many don't. And uh, it's, you know, that behavior, if you will, while the while the long term relationships may change here, uh, that behavior will we're, we're seeing that now we will continue to see that. But what are some of the other uh, long term issues that employers are struggling with? that lead them to this independent workforce? What are some of the things that, uh, that you see your customers focused on? Um, so first of all, to your comment about COVID, um, you know, the way COVID has impacted and was very evident when, you know, a year ago in March when COVID hit really hard, um, the, the neurogic reaction for companies was to let go old freelancers, contractors, that's, that's a common behavior in times of yeah. crisis. Good point. Um, and, what we saw then was that those independent contractors, freelancers, were uh, the first to land on their feet a few weeks later, find their next gig. And, and the reason that we saw that is those independent contractors are focused you know, year round on building their network, focusing on their brand, focusing on execution, keeping their skills up to date, um, you know, fast you know, hitting the ground running for every company they work for because they know that's the only way for them to, uh, to prosper. And so they were able to quickly land another project, another job, another company, whatever that is. On the other end, by the way, we saw that employees that were let go took a lot longer because they were like deer staring at the headlights. Like, I don't even have an updated resume. Who's looking for workers now? Right. So, so, so it took a lot longer for them. And I think a lot of people started seeing that um, what we once considered as a risk being a contractor or a um, freelancer, is actually becoming more of a strength in a world where the world is interconnected and you can get jobs, not just within your neighborhood, but around the world. It's like you, you focus on building your brand and then it kind of provides you the long-term security. And the other thing is, if you're really good at what you're doing, that's the only way for you to get your real market value and not to be bound within corporate pay bands and so forth. Hmm. And so uh, th that's on the one end. Um, if we go to the employers and the way they're experiencing it, I think there's um, 
there's two main challenges that companies are going through today. Number one is um, it's very difficult to hire. Um, I remember when COVID hit again, people said uh, skills gaps over. There's going to be a flood of talent in the market. You know, that lasted for what, four months? Right. Uh, and, and, and with the crazy valuations that we're seeing, companies have just, you know, loaded hordes of, uh, of, of cash and they're looking to spend it. Uh, everyone's fighting to, to get talent. And, you know, it's, it's the worst that it's ever been right now. Um, and then when you're looking into, okay, so companies are starting to figure out, okay, we're seeing more and more people not wanting to be employees, wanting to be freelancers, but the companies are not really set for that transition yet. What does that mean? Um, you know, where do we find these freelancers? How do we onboard them? Who makes sure that they that they sign all the right legal documents? Um, uh, data privacy is becoming a significant issue. GDPR in EU, CCPA in California, and above everything, there's this you know cloud hovering uh, of workforce classification. Right. Who's considered an employee? Who's considered a contractor? And with AB five in California, that kind of you know uh, railed the boat a bit in 2019 uh, or end of 2019 into 2020, turning into Prop 22. Now other states are looking into same transition. Biden came out supporting the PRO Act. And so, you know, there's this, there's a lot more freelancers or contractors who want a contract. Um, latest research uh, in high school showed that 45% of Gen Z want to be freelancers or contractors and say they will never take a steady job. On the other end, companies are not yet set for this transition. They don't have the people, the processes, or the tools to go through that change. And so they either start being left behind because they can't get the right talent, definitely not fast enough. They don't have the processes. So if they run an experiment, um, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work well. And they don't have the mechanism in place to guarantee that the organization is um, safe, if you will, or compliant on legal, tax, workforce classification, data protection, everything that's required when you're starting to bring in um, external um, workforce. There's, yeah. there's an estimate that um, 25 to 30% of employers in the US misclassify uh, some of their independent contractors. I don't know if that's a real number or not, uh, but that is a big problem anyway. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I, I think the... There's certainly a real knowledge gap uh, as to, as to uh, how to classify and uh, an understanding of uh, of of how to you know what that reporting means and uh, and how to manage that how to how to avoid the the risk of misclassification. So so where does Stoke fit in uh, with all of this? How how are you? Helping both sides, the uh, the independent workers and the uh, employers. Um, so Stoke platform comes, you know, we built Stoke to allow companies to go through this transition, um, and Stoke helps. Uh, think about Stoke as the equivalent of an HRIS, um, an HR management system that's built specifically for the world of independent contractors. Um, most legal firms would advise against putting independent contractors in your HR system. Yeah. Again, it cries out misclassification. And so Stoke is kind of the, the parallel system that deals with the entire workflow for managing independent contractors, sourcing them, onboarding them, making sure they're signed the right legal documents, running their background check, getting them to sign the right tax documents, um, assigning them the projects, handling all payouts in you know, wherever they are in the world, um, and constantly 
um, running uh, workforce classification testing to make sure that uh, um, the, the independent contractors are not uh, misclassified. Uh, but more than just being a back office system, the system actually empowers the organization with process that lets every individual in the organization, whether if you're a, um, an executive manager, a team leader, or even an individual with permissions in the system, you can just go and source your own freelancers. You know, we'll go through whatever approval system uh, within Stoke, and you can work with them without going through legal procurement, finance, HR. It's like you can just quickly source your talent and get to work with them. Yeah. And so our goal is to provide the enterprise capabilities and the simplicity of um, a marketplace. Yeah, well, it's certainly a uh, there, there's a need in the market uh, for that. Um, the you know, I, I, I looking at the employers out there that I deal with, they are, I talk to and, and work with, they, they've been using, you know, traditional systems to your point, you know, uh, usually maybe not the HRIS, but the applicant tracking system, the vendor management system, the sourcing tools, uh, sort of a mishmash of different tools that really weren't designed to support this type of relationship. And to your point, what, what, the cost of that is what slips through the cracks is uh, speed, compliance, uh, ease, uh, you know, and and uh, most companies, I, I think, manage this as a pay class <laughs> and, exactly. uh, and and not really a, a, a significant part of the workforce. And so, you know, you're bringing up a great point. And, and sometimes you run into companies that say, hey, you know, I have a vendor management system. It's like, yeah, you're managing 30% of your workforce in the same place you're managing your paperclip provider. Does that make sense in any sense? Right. Um, and, and so a lot of companies still are trying to refrain. And, I, you know, I spoke to an HR leader a couple of days ago. And she was like, you know, I'd rather not deal with that part of workforce. I have so many other things to deal with. It's like, so there's 20 to 30% of your workers, no one's attending to. And when you're treating it to your point as, you know, just a bunch of receipts that need working out, I can tell you we have customers that realize they're overspending by 8% a month on independent contractors because it's not tracked efficiently anywhere. You get an invoice, you process it. Sometimes you're late, sometimes you're early. Sometimes you pay an invoice twice. It's it just becomes a complete plethora. It's it's kind of hidden cost, but it's significant for companies. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, um, given the perspective that you have, do you have? Um, I always like to ask for one piece of advice in in uh, in closing thing, wrapping things up, and I'm wondering. What, what is your advice to leaders as they think about the opportunities and the challenges related to working with this workforce, you know, leveraging uh, this part of the workforce more? Um, first of all, I would say it very bluntly. Um, companies that don't have an agile workforce strategy in place today are behind. Not having an Freelancer strategy in 2021 is not is like not having internet strategy in the 2000 or mobile strategy in 2010. It's like it is happening, yeah. and companies need to start putting the energy to discuss people, processes, and tools on how that will impact their organization over the over the next three to five years. 
companies are going to be left behind and insist on operating the same way they operated five years ago within five years are going to be left behind. The, the fight for talent is only going to get fiercer. If you want to get the best talent, if you want to move fast, if you want to compete in an industry that's ever changing, now is the time to start looking at what flexible workforce means about achieving and overachieving your business goals, but not just that. It's for survival. If you don't have a flexible workforce strategy in place, in five years, survival is going to be a lot more challenging. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes good sense to me. Where, what's the URL where folks can can learn more? Um, so we're at stoketalent.com. Thanks for asking. Um, so that's stoketalent.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, and our website. Welcome to happy to have a conversation, walk you through what we're doing and how we can help you a gain more agility, flexibility, uh, while having uh, the control you need over your flexible workforce. Well, Shahar, I really enjoyed the conversation. I could go on and on, but uh, on this topic, it's we both have some passion for it, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, George. Okay, that's another HR Market Watch. I want to thank all of you for listening and sharing some of your time with me today. Thanks again to Shahar Arez from Stoke Talent. Be sure to check them out at stoketalent.com. You'll be stoked you did. Uh, and I, just if you're interested in these topics, these sorts of trends, and all of the things impacting the workforce and the future of work, be sure to stop by and check out what we're doing at oneworktech.com. That's O-N-E worktech.com. I'm George Laroque. Thanks again. See you again soon.